0: Welcome to the podcast, Phenomenosophy, Episode 2, Science and Religion. How you doing, Gigi?
1: What up, man? Doing pretty good. How you doing?
0: I'm well. How are things sounding?
1: Um, Sounding good, actually. Everything seems like it's coming through. And, right. uh, yeah, audio sound great, man.
0: Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay. So, subject today, science and religion. I deliberately titled it science and religion because oftentimes this subject is approached as science versus religion, and I feel that from a if we look at the value that empirical science and spirituality and religions and things like that can contribute to humanity, and especially in the form of society moving forward, I feel like this is a conversation between the disciplines of science, philosophy, psychology, and religion, spirituality, that we can gain from all of these elements and formulate a worldview that is the most beneficial for humanity moving forward. Not that you and I necessarily have that worldview. So what we're going to do is we're going to deconstruct these worldviews and kind of piece together a way of uh, looking at these systems in a way that is beneficial for, for us, for humanity and what I'd like to start off with is looking at dogma, because I feel like one of the things that has people who are ideologically bound to a particular way of thinking, whether it's you know science or a particular religion um, or even a political philosophy. People have these ideological possessions. They're possessed by their ideology. And it makes it difficult to be open to ideas from outside that ideology that can benefit us as a whole. So really, this is an exercise in critical thinking. How we can approach various subjects from a place without being dogmatic. Based on our own ideological possessions or attachments that we may have, and it's you know critical thinking I feel is uh, is important for human beings and solving problems. Mm-hmm. So we'll uh, we'll we'll do that. So I'm going to start off with a little slideshow I put together. It's uh, it's don't get excited. <laughs> it's, it's, not gra- it's not graphically beautiful or anything like that um, but I did want to present these elements because I feel it's extremely important in moving forward in this conversation to look at it so let me bring up my slideshow so here we go oh. so definition of dogma this is out of dictionary.com It has more definitions than this, but I felt that these two were the most relevant to what we are speaking about today. First definition, of dogma. Prescribed doctrine proclaimed as unquestionably true by a particular group. So, a doctrine is a teaching, and to look at any teaching as unquestionably true definitely has the effect of shutting you down to any ideas or concepts from outside of that doctrine okay and, and now just, again this
1: isn't does the doctrine this, have to be written can
0: it be no verbal it, it, it's just the, yeah it could be cultural
1: okay
0: yeah um, so it's it, it's something that it, it is either uh, expressed or implied. Um, However, it is held as unquestionably true. And number two, definition, a settled or established opinion, belief, or principle. So eh, that um, that applies more to sciences as far as being dogmatic in the world of science. However, I feel like definition number one also is applied, and I'm not saying necessarily with scientists. I'm not saying scientists see their own science or even the scientific laws as unquestionably true. However, people who gravitate towards or who have adopted or who are possessed by that ideology or who see themselves as, you know, uh, facing facts, right? And so they deny anything outside of the world of science and they grasp onto things established scientifically as truths, now, that's not necessarily the nature of science, and, and scientists don't necessarily yeah. see science that way. Um, but I'd
1: like to point out in this that it's specifically opinion, belief, or principle, right. which is things that people choose to adopt or you know, apply in their life, but these aren't necessarily points that have had any factual backing. No, they're not. Meaning that... The opinion of somebody is absolutely different than the fact of an event. Right. The opinion, the belief, and principle, those are all creations of the the human brain, human mind. And the opinion, or sorry, the, the facts of the situation are the measurable outcomes of a specific event.
0: Are we distinguishing uh, between... Are are we distinguishing between truth and facts here? Or are you distinguishing between opinions and facts? Yeah, the latter.
1: Because I I see a lot of people be like, well, fact is you're a jerk. And it's like, (laughs) that's not measurable. There's no jerk meter. There's no physical jerkness to anybody. (laughs) That's your interpretation of somebody, your interpretation of an event like some guy giving you a dirty look, or right. fronting, or whatever the case may be.
0: Right, and then, and and again, there. It's interesting how dogmatic people are these days. I feel like the current circumstances, conditions of humanity, at least in the Western world, is one where people are so deeply possessed by their ideologies, that they are latching dogmatically onto opinions as if they are truths. Now, I'm not going to really, I don't know if we'll get or into the distinction. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say that, that. I'm not necessarily right. looking today to get into the distinction of truth. In fact, we may actually get there. However, it could be another conversation for another day and i'm not entirely attached to getting there today however we do see people today in today's world holding on to opinions as if they are truths or facts as you... okay so i,
1: I think we're going to have to go there what's the difference between tr- truth and a fact because to me the truth is subjective the facts are I mean, at a certain level, everything becomes subjective. But for all intents and purposes of this conversation, the truth to me would be something that you'd make up about something. You'd say, oh, that's my truth. No, or that's yeah. true for me. Or okay, true for my yeah. experience. We could, whatever, do,
0: right? we could do a whole show on my truth. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, and how, no, much that, how much that statement just yeah irritates me. Okay, so here's the distinction I'm going to draw with fact and truth, okay? Fact is an assertion that can be proven true or false. Now, that word proven could be, you know, a little uh, uh, loaded, but let's say something like, it is 78 degrees in here, right? If I say that, i'm 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 making a statement an assertion of the temperature which is measurable and it could be proven true or false whether or not it is seventy eight degrees in here okay and I'm not talking about splitting hairs well technically it's seventy eight point two uh, that's that's beside the fact we're, what we're talking about is facts or assertions which through Constant observation through multiple people can be proven to be true or false. Like, um, you you were late. You, know, you were supposed to be here at 8 a.m. You were here at 8.15. That's an assertion which can be proven true or false. right? And uh, so those are facts. Okay? Now, truths, I would say, is something deeper. And I think, and the reason I make the distinction of the truth being on the deeper end is because that's how society, how our culture approaches that concept of truth, is that it is, you know, that there is truth and in in it has uh, more weight uh, than facts. That facts are like, eh, facts are facts, and then there's truths. And, the, and so the distinction I'm going to draw here is that truth is purely experiential. Meaning your being, your, 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 your conscious experience is truth. It is a constant. It is a flow. Of your your the flow of your consciousness is truth that experiential peace that 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 what we call being in the world is truth. However, as soon as you attempt to explain it, to articulate it, to describe it, then it's not truth anymore, and so. Like, and the reason I say that is that because the only way to articulate something is through symbols even when you think about it you think in symbols we speak in symbols words are symbols they are a way of interpreting the world so truth is that raw experience not your explanation of the experience
1: so let me ask you this can you
0: have truth
1: outside the present moment?
0: No, because you, you would think about it in symbols, or you would speak about it in symbols. So truth is only ever present. It is that mm-hmm. that point of the flow of your consciousness that that is the truth, the experience you are having now, They're and you've got
1: experience it, about a previous experience that's still true right
0: that's truth but because it's the previous in
1: experience wouldn't be right
0: right but if your experience your experience and the that you're having which is based on meanings and interpretations of that past experience those meanings and interpretations are not truth so like you said something i got my feelings hurt and therefore it is truth that what you say is hurtful that's not truth you had an experience and whether you could describe that experience as anxiety or whatever. The words anxiety aren't truth. That's a way of describing a a sensation, an experience within your consciousness and your physical being that you're having. And then if you try to uh, say that that anxiety Is caused because of meaning that you gave to this event or set of circumstances and conditions that occurred. That's not, those, that meaning that you apply to those circumstances and conditions aren't necessarily, that's not true. Mm -hmm. The experience is absolutely true. Whatever experience you're having, but what you attribute it to and the symbols that you use to articulate it and describe it, that's not truth. So that's, that's how I distinguish there. there. Yeah. That's how I distinguish fact from truth. Okay. That's awesome. It's, it's,
1: this is really important. I, I just, I just had this conversation a week or two ago. I was on a camping trip with some guys and I don't know how, but you know, late enough around a campfire, you end up talking about all kinds of stuff. (laughs) And one of the things we talked about was, uh, I'll say like uh, a victim's mindset. Right? And they were like, "Well, you know, we were talking about the difference between facts and the story and I was asserting that anytime somebody claims victimhood to something, it's 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 not it, it's not a fact. It's right. it's an interpretation of an event that has happened. And I know this is controversial, but it, we ended up in a after some pretty good back and forth at this realization that in the moment of the experience, there is no victim. There is no victim. It's like as soon as the initiation of the event comes on, kicks on, you're in the experience. One micro moment later, you could turn around and say, I was a victim to that. Or that was a perpetrator and I was a... And you can start describing it, but there is no description of an experience when you're in the experience. It always happens in hindsight. And I think that's basically what you're saying. The truth is
0: in the moment.
1: Everything else comes after
0: the moment. Right. And a lot of times it's that, that's the meaning. right? So an right. event occurs. And you attribute meaning to the event, and the meaning that you attribute to the event isn't truth. The experience you're having in the presence is truth. So, I so again, that. I like yeah, that. okay. righty, So to finish up our few foundational elements, I wanted to go over here. So I, w- I want to touch on the the way that science goes from theory to law. And, and that it's not, at least s- the principles of science do not make scientific laws that, or don't see scientific laws as absolute. And that's, this is important because you will find in the scientific community, psychological community, as well as the religious community, dogma, a dogmatic attachment to particular doctrines as if they are absolute truths, even though science and the way it was imagined is that that a scientific law is not immutable and is not absolute. And so I wanted to show that real quick. So here you have a Venn diagram, and it uh and it shows that the realm of uh phenomenon of of where scientific theory occurs and you have the realm of scientific law and you see that there's this space where they where they overlap and this is where experiment and analysis and predictions occur okay so they that's the place where science lives is is in that in between in that overlap between what we see and currently accept as scientific laws and what we theorize about obs- the observations that we make about the world around us so and so that's an important aspect of science and i f- and i feel a very valuable aspect to let's science.
1: give a, an example here okay what would be an example of scientific law? I mean, theory is... Well, here,
0: here, here. Hold a, on. Hold on. Of... <laughs> you're, getting, you're getting ahead of my slideshow. Hold on. Ooh, <laughs> scientific <laughs> law. Okay, so scientific law is the nature of scientific laws, or the nature of scientific laws has been much discussed in philosophy, but in essence, scientific laws are simply empirical conclusions reached by the scientific method, they are intended to be neither laden with ontological commitments nor statements of logical absolutes. So an example of this would be, at one point, Newton's law of gravity, I forgot what he called it, gravitational, universal gravitation or something like that, was accepted as a scientific law and it was and it was very effective in making predictions so just because a law ends up not being completely factual doesn't make it not usable or not not workable and 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 not valuable it was in fact, to this day, you can still use Newton's equations with relation to gravity and make some really good predictions. Now, yeah. when Einstein's relativistic physics made its way into the, uh, the arena of science, the approach to gravity changed. And we found that you know using the, the relativity approach gave us more accurate mathematics for making predictions around gravity, especially in the case of extremely large bodies um, and probably extremely small bodies like atoms and things. So it, it isn't that because a law isn't absolute doesn't mean it's not valuable. Okay? And then I wanted to show that the method by which that we establish scientific laws, which we call the scientific method, is, now, I'm going to read through this, but this is probably going to go over most heads, and then I'll break it down with a simple bullet point list. The scientific method is an empirical method of acquiring knowledge that has char- that has characterized the development of science since at least the 17th century. It involves careful observation, applied rigorous skepticism about what is observed, Given that cognitive assumptions can distort how one interprets the observation, it involves formulation of hypotheses via induction based on such observations, experimental and measurement-based testing of deductions drawn from the hypotheses, and refinement or elimination of the hypotheses Based on the experimental findings. So, what is that saying in a nutshell?
1: Freaking mouthful. I'm glad you have a bullet
0: list after this. Yes, yes. (laughs) So, basically, the scientific method by which we come to scientific law is you you formulate, it begins with the formulation of a question based on some observation. So, the question may be, why is the sky blue? And then you hypothesize, well, you know we know that light is, has uh, each color of the of the spectrum has a different frequency, and that because of these different differences in wavelength or frequency, that the light bends differently and or is affected by elements differently, so when it's interacted with. Based on its wavelength or frequency, it's going to shift. Um, and then the prediction would be okay, well, to prove this, you know, we'll, we'll uh, if we shine a, you know, uh, we're predicting what, our, what, what we could do in the laboratory, you know, in order to prove our reasoning why the sky is blue. If we shine a light, like pure white light, through a prism, you know, in a prism, as you know, is is has less mass near its apex and more mass down towards the bottom. So the light's not hitting it. You know, it's not going through the same amount of material as it passes through this un- unsymmetrical geometrical shape. Right. So it enters the prism. We notice that. The light that is traveling less distance is, you know, separate. Each each wavelength or each frequency of light is separated into different colors. So we actually see from white light going into the prism, we see a we see the a spectrum, a rainbow uh, coming out the other side. And we can say, well, based on the placement of red and based on the placement of blue, that this is telling us something about the nature of light passing through medium and which and what what about the light is is going in a certain direction so this is the prediction we make we test this in a laboratory and we experiment and we analyze our results and then we uh, replicate it or we att- we replicate it ourselves we may get uh others involved in the replication process and then once it's been replicated a number of times by a number of individuals We can now record this and publish it and move it towards scientific law. Now, this bullet-pointed approach isn't in itself absolute. You're not going to approach every single question you have with this exact process. For some, it may not be in this order. Some of these steps may be left out. But this is the general gist of the scientific method. Okay? And it goes formulating a question, you make a hypothesis, Uh, you make a prediction, you test an experiment, then you analyze, interpret, and make conclusions about the testing, then you replicate, then you take that process, hand it off to someone else, see if they get the same results, and then come back. And record or publish. So, this is the method. Okay. And again, it's very functional and very effective and workable in many aspects of life. So, what's the
1: purpose of the scientific method? To establish a record, establish scientific laws? Is it to.
0: Yeah, to make, really, to make predictions. That's, that's what it comes down to. able
1: accurately predict the outcomes or the, our experience of reality. Yes,
0: yes. And actually we'll get into that because that's a, a large reason why we get dogmatic around ideologies is because it's what we're comfortable with, what makes us feel safe and being able to have an idea or make predictions about the world around us is one of the reasons we've developed religions it's one of the reasons we've developed science and why we've really latched on to science because science is this thing that it helped us to predict the 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 seasons and weather patterns and and all kinds of things that like make us feel a little more comfortable when the
1: sun's going to come up
0: yeah exactly exactly so it's that that observation in that, in those, uh, in those methods and those principles make us feel safe. And so it's, and in that, and in that sense, it's also valuable and beneficial. Well, it's more than feeling safe. It's, it's a practical, applicable tool mm-hmm.
1: to, to use day to day. Right. Like if, if nobody knew what the time was, we had no scientific model to figure out how we're going to dissect time down and what metrics we're going to use and what's a small increment of measurement, a big increment of measurement, how they all work together and then how that aligns with you know, stars and, you know, processions. And Dude, all what, of stuff. what
0: about the, the concept of time itself? I mean, if you think about it from the standpoint of consciousness, you're there's an eternal now it's at what point did time become Something that was useful um, because and did
1: we apply the scientific method to it? N- uh,
0: no. <laughs> scientific method. what I was just
1: going with my thought process, I was yeah, like, no. uh, maybe we didn't apply scientific method to time.
0: No, <laughs> no time. Time's been we, our concept. Time has been around a lot longer than the scientific method. Um, not yeah. to say that you know people didn't have similar ways of approaching things, and you know it's reason and analysis and. And I mean, logic goes back, at least within recorded history, you know, over a thousand years, several thousand years. Um, so. So a really good
1: example of the scientific method is architecture. Everybody uses that system to be able to say, if you've got a certain amount of support beams and this geometry and these materials and you do it in a certain way, you can accurately predict if a house will stay up or if it will collapse on you. After an earthquake, you can come back through and assess the integrity of a building.
0: Yes, but I don't know if necessarily you, you necessarily have to approach that with a scientific method when you no, have... No, no, no. Okay. I'm
1: saying the, the application of okay. scientific method is applicable in our day-to-day lives, meaning without the scientific method, we would have never come to the conclusion that our architectural practices were safe. You see what I'm saying? So if nobody had practiced and tested and said, okay, an, an A-frame can, can can sustain a certain amount of weight. And at this certain angle is when snow will fall off of the roof. And, you know, they go into all of the, the science behind why architecture is the way that it is. Because of that, we have houses that don't collapse after a week or a month or a year. And we've got some buildings on the planet that even... Get sturdier over time i mean this is a direct result of people applying the scientific method to all types of different stuff materials geometry you name it and then using those findings to interact with everybody's day-to-day life does that make sense
0: yeah your internet's driving me crazy so i'm having a hard time even (laughs) like paying attention to what you're saying because you're you need to get your internet fixed, dude. Dude, it's driving me like crazy. It's driving me. It's driving me way more nuts. Behind. It's driving me nuts. Okay. You you can hear me okay? Is it just my, my I can, video It's what? your video, man. Okay. You're you're cutting in and out, and you're. Well, this will be the last video jumpy. that's like this. We will see. <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh yes i can I, I guess I see where you're coming from. I think it's uh maybe an over explanation an over complication of something realistically that's simple mathematics engineering, yes, there are scientific laws in the background, but now it's just the application of a mathematical model you know for like if you're an engineer and making determinations about the structure of a building. It's you. You're not having to go through the scientific method. You're just applying a formula or series, right? Of formulas. You don't need
1: to go through it again. No, but it's, it's, it's a result of the scientific method. That's what I'm
0: saying. Yeah, well, of, of scientific law, you know, and 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 that's in. Like I said, whether or not the scientific laws at play there are immutable truths is is irrelevant. They may not be, but they're workable. And they're pretty good because they're, they, they've allowed us to build things the way that we have built them. And they stand up to our predictions of stress and, and weather conditions and all kinds of other things. So, yes, it's not necessarily an immutable truth, but it's workable. workable. And, and that's cool. And so that's not something you'd necessarily want to toss out, which is funny. you know. And again, we're talking about these ideologies and how they've been at odds with each other. So I don't know if you've heard of what's, what they call the science wars. Right? I is actually an, haven't. Okay, so there's what they call, a, there's an ideology known as postmodernism, philosophy. And one of their tenets is that there is an infinite way of interpreting anything, right? And therefore, science is just inter- a series of interpretations with no with no real meaning, right? No real uh, uh, truth, right? I'll say that there's no truth to science because. Everything that went into its development was done by human beings, which were interpreting things, and they, you know, latched on to a specific way of interpreting, and that that led to you know science developing to where it's at today.
1: So it, the argument is that science, the is science just is just one
0: interpretation.
1: <laughs> science is meaningless yeah. because it's one interpretation of a sea, infinite
0: sea of interpretation. Right. And and in some sense that's true, uh-huh. right? And, and right. so let's let's look at that. In some I'm sense like, that's true. You could interpret
1: it in any way you, you want could to,
0: interpret <laughs> anything anyway. However, what interpretations are effective and workable, right? Because yeah, you could say that the law of gravity has to do with something else entirely. And would it be Which applicable and would it, that. yeah, and would it be applicable, and would it get us to space right we we even uh, even if all we had was Newtonian physics, we probably could have got to, into space, right uh, even though yeah, by the by been. the time we went there in the 60s. we would' have gotten back <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. I, I don't know how advanced the mathematics was at that point, but yeah, you probably you're probably right. We might not have made it back at least safely, and it was like, well, where'd he go? Well, we don't know. <laughs> so, the main, yeah, he went up. Well, did he come down? Yeah, but we have no idea where. And the Earth's a big place. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean the the fact that even if it's even if it is interpretation. And the laws and the applicability of, of the principles have gotten us some fascinating results. Now let's look at the other side of this as well because there are these elements of life which cannot you cannot apply the scientific method to. And so you're not going to necessarily get workable a, a workable worldview or a workable way of approaching things that's necessarily beneficial for humanity moving forward. Um, for well, example... it's a cool
1: way to think about and work with science because that is the in the fundamental assumption, I think, of science and the scientific method is that, yes this there's an infinite number of interpretations of our measurements and what our experiments have put out Mm -hmm. however this one is what we're going with right now that's why they call it a theory of relativity for instance right because down the line we may do another experiment that fine-tunes this or that overthrows this and explains it in a in a greater degree so The whole point of science is to find an interpretation that works, and it's always open to another interpretation that works better.
0: (laughs) Well, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, let me stop you there.
1: Yes, (laughs)
0: by its by its foundational uh, principles, it should be open, but it's not necessarily because. Not always. Here's the problem. You get, you come through, you're a physicist, right? And you learned physics in a certain way. And so you're now very attached to the way you interpret physics. It's, It's hard for you to accept something outside of your realm of expertise as being a fact or truth, right? So, and that's really where I want to get to here is because like if you look science at war. like with yeah with the advance of science from the you know from 1600s up until now, there's been this uh, division uh, among uh, uh, of ideology among people who are religious and spiritual and people who latch on to that you know fully automatic model of the world of the uh, of the uh, the scientific worldview that they're at odds. And the reason there's this at oddsness is that there, there's a failure to recognize and a failure to be open to the ideas, the principles that are workable for, that are really the best for humanity. So, for instance, like, like in ma- the material sciences, there's not really a recognition of consciousness. Now, psychology is the closest thing because it is a science of mind and it does address consciousness and unconscious and things like that but it doesn't necessarily believe that any practitioner of of psychology believes that consciousness is anything more than uh you know chemical reactions in the brain product right and and that's in in this because if you're attached to the empirical methods of scientific method of establishing facts, where well, you're missing out on really a, what I consider a quite significant part of reality, which is consciousness, our interpretation, our experience of the world itself. We've, we've poo-pooed on that throughout the centuries, because as we've developed the scientific method and things, we've also come up with this worldview that your perspective is this is the subjective aspect of reality. It is not factor truth, right? So we kind of separate it over here, and then there's the what we consider the objective reality. And that in the scientific method, it's you know being able to get it out of your way as much as you can. That's why they recognize scientific law isn't absolute because there's this this subjective thing in the background, making the observations. So that's recognized. However, consciousness is a pretty important aspect of our experience here on Earth. Not only that, relationships, right? Pretty important. Um, Whether it be personal relationships between individuals, whether it be family, whether it be community, Communities get bigger. You have nation states. I mean, the world itself, we live in a global community where really everyone can influence everyone else and can communicate with everyone else. So if ever there was a time in our development as human beings to be open, this is the time. Because there's so many ideologies out there. And what we really need to be able to do is to not be so ideologically possessed, perhaps, and let's take a look and dissect these various ways of looking at the world and see okay, and the most effective way of us approaching this or thinking about this that is going to prop us up, push us forward, is the best thing for the community, the nations, the the humanity, as well as the planet itself, right? And, and it's funny because a lot of these, what used to be, you took the worlds of science and religion, they, they used to be here, but as time has gone on, elements have started to mix in. Like now there's this clinical approach to mindfulness, right? Like, it it that would it, it, if you were to assert let's say 80 years ago in the world of science the importance of you know meditation and mindfulness and the, the effects that that has on the physical wellness of the body the mental wellness and and how you may be able to overcome that because there was no empirical evidence no experimentation that was a completely rejected idea or concept and now there's a clinical approach to applying these concepts of mindfulness in modern scientific context now is that new not to not to spiritual people like a Buddhist would say, yeah, no shit. Like, that's not new. You know, like, yes, being uh, coherent in mind and body. And and a person who practices transcendental meditation, has, they've been talking about the physical and mental and, and and emotional benefits of this for thousands of years. These aren't new. But it's new in that now some of these things are being adopted and brought into sciences, but still refusing to recognize that in tradition, in culture, we have a lot of wisdom. Like when they decided to just do away with all the herbal remedies that we've been using for thousands of years as human beings, because, oh, well, we've got all these chemicals now, right? And that that because, oh, well, mankind, you know, we're much, we're much more advanced than we were then. So we know a lot more than those stupid people back then. So we're going to get rid of all the plants and herbs that we've been using for centuries. I mean, eons, thousands of years, humanity has used herbs and foods and things like that yeah. with the awareness and knowledge that it the way you eat what you eat how you eat is extremely important and in the earlier parts of the 20th century that was not considered important what you ate what you ingested they it was like they they looked at them at people as machines and food is purely as a fuel for energy right that's why you had this whole fascination, this uh, attachment to the concept of calories, which are meaningless. That model only applies if you only look at food as a fuel source and a human being as something that just burns the fuel to run. But now, again, ancient knowledge, traditions that go back thousands of years are now being recognized within science that these are important like what you eat is important who knew you know and and why exactly and oh. why and how different herbs and what you eat can have medicinal effects on the body even when you eat right so it's it, it kind of goes both ways and then because of the dogmas of religion, there's been a resistance to new ways of looking at the world. So one of the greatest values of religion is the values of religion, right? The principles we live our lives by. Those Those are important for us to move forward, for us to have a future, there has to be some kind of agreed upon system of morals and ethics by which we treat each other
1: there's something in here that i'm just now noticing where i mean it's it's been assumed that science and government and really like even our commercial systems all have human progress and human benefit as Like the foundational motivation for any of those. Which, in my experience, it hasn't been. (laughs) Even going all the way back to like, oh, we have all of these new chemicals now that we're going to start using as medicines and do away with all these other things. We don't need the excess. We're going to extract the one thing, the active ingredient, and inject that right into you. Even that, to me, wasn't because
0: we know more after we since modify we, millions after, of years after, right? we, after modify we modify the, it after we modify the active ingredients so we can patent it that's where i'm going that's where i'm going with it
1: <laughs> because you can do that right. however the whole thing was predicated on commerce because right. now we can own this specific group of molecules and chemicals and stuff then we can turn around and sell it and people can inject it and run it it's a whole commercial system right it's not built on the the idea that we've come so far as a race, and now we can, you know, never be sick again. There are plenty of things that do better than, like, even now, people are like, oh, you have headaches and stuff. Um, Meditate. Take a hot bath. <laughs> you put essential oils on your head or something like that. Right. Instead of Advil and all these, these other things, right. which for right. me never worked. But I'm noticing a connection here now. In, in listening to you talk about that, and then religion, it's almost as if that's what religion has contributed. The idea that us coming together can produce something better. Right. That if you prescribe yourself or live your, your life based off a certain set of principles, or, you know, morals, or uh, whatever philosophies even then you can have stronger relationships you can have more happiness you can have a higher level of life Mm -hmm. and we've taken that and then superimposed it on science (laughs) Mm -hmm. well we've taken it and superimposed it on commercial systems and legal systems blindly even I've, i've been thinking for a while now where where this need to make money as being more important than the need to thrive as, as a people, where that came from. Like, Since when did we start, I guess, going down that road? Well,
0: that we, road? It's, it, I think it probably has something to do with the, the correlation in our mind that material wealth it is what you need to thrive. So it's, they probably just, it's just It's a, kind of newer
1: though, right? I mean, religion has been saying you don't need stuff to thrive for a long
0: time. Yeah, but it didn't mean people didn't have stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> They've been saying you don't need stuff, um, but it didn't mean people didn't have stuff. Uh, and, and yes, I, th- I would say, I would say what you're talking about is, is symptomatic. Of, uh, of uh, the division, we're, we're ex- we experience division in the world because of attachments to the various ideologies, right? And that division is keeping people from sharing ideas and being being dynamic, being fluid, in their ideas, as opposed to rigidly stuck to an idea. So if we again, like I said, one of the greatest values of religion are the values of religion. It's not the only value of religion. There are other there are other aspects of spirituality and religion that are extremely valuable. However, if the if if you're stuck on the dogma the dogmatic elements of your religion the doctrine and like the models of the of uh, the nature of the let's say the planet itself the bible ain't going to get you into space but physics will not that we need to go into space but what I'm what I'm demonstrating there what I'm illustrating is that the attachment to you know your interpretations of your religion as tr- absolute truths right that that's the dogmatic approach and in resisting science and at the same time science doing the same thing in resisting principles of religions right like uh, meditation will in Western religion contemplation, contemplative prayer. In modern science, and, and I'm not going to say necessarily in all, all fields of psychology, but in modern science, from the mechanistic point of view, the, the mechanistic materialistic worldview, that you're just a machine and the result of chemical reactions, contemplative prayer, because we can't empirically measure something beneficial in a double blind study about it doesn't exist in, or as a be, as something beneficial for men or, or 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 mankind i should say however experientially speaking many can speak about the tremendous benefits they've gotten from things like contemplative prayer Transcendental Meditation, um, and things like that. These are things that people can speak like, yes, this has changed my life significantly in my physical being, in my emotional being, in the way that, I, you know, my, the cognitive behavior of individuals. Now, psych, many psychologists do recognize these aspects because they deal in, you know, thoughts and feelings and cognition, so they're more open. To the ideas that and their and their science it, it is considered a science, their science isn't is is rigidly based on this empirical method of establishing what 's effective now i 'm not saying psychology doesn 't necessarily have uh, psychological laws it's a, it's a very fluid discipline which maybe its greatest asset is that it can evolve and transform because it it has nothing rigid to really latch on to, you know, from Freud. How do they
1: apply the scientific method to psychology?
0: They don't. That's what I'm saying. They have to be more fluid. They, they, I mean, they, they like in psychiatry, you can in that, uh, maybe the drug effects, right? Like when we're, when we're testing it, and now I'm, that's why I made the distinction you could, psychiatry. you could measure
1: uh, chemical makeup, chemical compounds and saturation levels and stuff in, right. in the body, but, but, but that but, doesn't necessarily correspond to the experience.
0: But, right, but psychol- psychology, the science of psychology is more centered around mind and behavior than right. – it, so it's not – it's about, yes – as a psychologist, I'm getting results with my clients in that they've, you know, they're not they're no longer abusing themselves or addicted to some you know alcohol or something else. So so you can see there are measurable results, but you can't say that a psychologist can't say, well, this is what you do. You say this to them. You say this to them. You say this to them, and then they're done with right. alcohol. That's not how it works. There is no like. Here is the method to get someone to not be an alcoholic. Boom, done. Boom. It's settled. That's it. That's all there is to it. It's not like that. It's a. It's a fluid kind of a science. And so, but and maybe
1: I, they do go after it with with experimentation and hypothesis. They do.
0: They absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah, they So there is a version
1: it. of the scientific method there, but it doesn't right. deal in physicality. It yeah. deals in whatever the results
0: may be. It's, Hypothesis, it's this what's is workable. what's going on. Yeah, it's what's workable, this, what's effective, right? You're looking at the results, like, well, we got these yeah, results, yeah. right? And, if, we, and, if, and if, a, if, if many psychologists can get these types of results using this particular method, then it's an effective method. It doesn't mean it's this is the way of handling something. It means here is a method. It is effective to a relatively acceptable degree or whatever because it, it, there, that's just the nature of that. Because you're dealing with consciousness and mind, and, yeah. and so it's, it's not the same as physical science. Uh, it's not the same approach. It's not the same. Uh, it's not the same. Uh, it's not as rigid in that sense that it, it's more, there's more of an openness to it all.
1: Yeah. There's there's never been a, psych, uh, a psychological theory that says if you give 100% of people this medication or this practice or this procedure, mm-hmm. that it will fix 100% of them. Right. Where you've got, scientists in other fields saying if you drop a ball at this height and you measure it 100 percent of the time it will drop at this speed and take this much time and, and blah blah blah. Right. So it's it's just it's not as cemented in its discoveries.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah it can't be. <laughs> hey exactly. Exactly. It's uh it's got to be it's got to be fluid. And and here's the thing. It's like, I feel that if we look at the world, the material sciences and the world of religions, that taking on that fluid aspect that psychology has to have would probably be extremely beneficial. Because, like for instance, the you know, uh the religious concept, the 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 doctrine of like the age of the earth. And so, and again, it doesn't like say how old it is. Yeah, it doesn't say outright this is people interpreting ancient writings to mean that oh well the earth is six thousand years old. Now that's if you're and for the most part there's many people in Western religion who have seem like okay yeah that's a way of interpreting that but you know they they're not they're not as stuck in that dogma however there's this whole other world of religious followers practitioners who are so rigidly attached to the dogmatic doctrine that they can't let go of it and it's absolute for them and so because they're so attached to that particular doctrine to when science comes out and says yeah well you know based on our observations and measurements and again this is an absolute but this is what this is a pretty the the methods they're using are pretty effective um we predict that the world is, you know, four billion years old and been around for four billion years. Now, if, and here, here's, here's where I want to go with this I feel that the greatest values of religion aren't its, you know, explaining the physical reality. Now, that's, not, that's not where it thrives and that's not where we need it. You know, understanding physical reality is is useful in certain set of contexts it's really immaterial when it comes to us coming together in a loving and caring way which i believe is is what i what i feel that re, like things like religion and spirituality are offer the most is that there's something definitely lacking in our world today that is eating away at social fabric of our society, in that we no longer like. There's a a high level of distrust between people, and there's a lot of disconnection, even in small communities. So, and again, if if our approach to religion was one, was Really, rather than the dogmatic ideal, the dogmatic elements that are not workable as far as interpersonal relationships and building community and things like that, that if we were more fluid in that, rather than seeing it as these are absolute truths, we see it as these are these. Are, this is a set of tools for us to be better to to move forward, to grow, to evolve. And and because we really we kind of do see science that way. It's like it it is its purpose is not only to make predictions for us to feel safe and 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 sound, but it's also tools for advancing humanity. Um, however, because it there is no place for our interpersonal relationships and, well, I mean, again, in psychology there is, but it's it's not – psychology isn't doing anything for the social fabric at this point. I mean, it's a it's – a, uh, has little effect on few individuals at any one time. It's not something that can be applied in mass. Um, all, mass oh, actually, I, I, should, I, should, I, should, I should take that back because it can be applied in mass <laughs> – um, because we see it through television programming. You're, you're people will react to imagery Even more so and information. social media. Oh yeah, absolutely. So there is a, there is a psychological effect there. And, There's a, uh,
1: there's a, there's even a whole documentary about what's her name from, uh, Cambridge Analytica, where, where she, sorry, I'm probably getting a little far away from my mic, um where she goes through and explains like, yeah, we've got over 500 data points on any one individual in the United States uh, or however many millions of them. Mm -hmm. And she's like, we only really need about, what did she say? Like 17 data points or something like that to influence and win a presidential election. (laughs) And I'm like, right. And you've got over 500 on millions, millions of Americans and people in other countries as well, not just over here. And like that is dealing strictly with mass psychology, right, because the more you see certain images and certain beliefs and certain parades and certain events and whatever else, the more you're either challenged or confirmed in your
0: your worldview more or less. right yeah and it's uh and it. And it goes both ways, uh, yep. so I feel like uh, the elements of worldview that I find valuable, and like I said, it's hard for me to speak in necessarily in terms of religion because it's not. I'm not. I don't want. I'm not speaking about a particular religion or, even or religion or go, in general,
1: right?
0: Yeah, I, it, because religion is a set of doctrines. You know, it is a specific set of teaching. Um, however, spirituality is a little woo-woo and doesn't really mean anything. Um, so, but I, so I'm, I'm kind of going to mash these together because there are people who aren't necessarily uh, see themselves as belonging to a particular religion. However...
1: But they all practice similar things, believe in similar... All right. I right. cut you off again. Go
0: ahead. Yeah, they may they may hold that certain ethics and morals are important, and they may even have their own way of interpreting the metaphysical universe in a way that, again, is it? I don't feel that the metaphysical interpretation of the universe is necessary. Like that, you necessarily need to have facts about that in order to. To say that we that coming together in a loving and caring way is 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 absolutely beneficial for for people and for communities. So so I, and again, so I don't want to limit to religion because I don't want to say everyone out there should go be religious. I'd say it's everyone out there that as a community we should come together and agree upon like ethics and morals and create something whereby we can come together because this is what a church offers right whether it's a church a synagogue a mosque um temples like these place these are places where people come together in a loving caring non-judgmental way typically that's the idea at least and In that space, (laughs) let's say that's the intent. Um, And in that space, you you build trust, you form bonds, and this is absolutely beneficial. I don't want to say it's absolutely necessary. It's not, but if we look at where humanity is going now, would us coming together? within smaller groups of people to to, to form bonds, to, to share of ourselves, to form trust. Is that something that would be beneficial for us in the directions that we're heading? Um, it's feel like, like the
1: same with vegetables. They're not necessary, but they're definitely beneficial. Right. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. So it's... Uh, I and and that's why I wanted to have this conversation as opposed to uh uh science versus religion right is that material sciences have tremendous value psychological science has tremendous value and religions and and uh philosophies spiritual and spiritual practices have tremendous value the problem is is when our dogma and our attachment won't allow us to be open to these other things that could be greatly beneficial to us so like let's like let's take let's take a, a brief look at Religions, because not all religions, but some religions, that deny the the legitimacy of other religions. They deny the uh, the sacredness of other individuals. Right. Um, I mean, it was religious belief that had people being burned at the stake. And mind you, these people that were, the people who were watching this happen, they weren't in a place of like, oh my God, like we're burning people alive. This is horrible. Because of their deep-seated belief, they, they, they were in a place of like, oh, relief. Like, oh, we've, you know, We've helped this person out, you know. They were they were for sure gonna burn for eternity in hell. Now they only got to burn for about an hour, and they're good, you know. Like it was a it was like seen as a place of mercy and uh, and grace, you know. That like we're, we're we're helping you out, you know. And so it wasn't you know necessarily where
1: where in in Bible it's it talks about that because I'm burning no Bible buff. No, not okay. even burning people. But
0: like, <laughs> no, I love it. Talking about burning people.
1: If you're a witch, and the definition of a witch there, again, and there's in not need of being burning. And I'm like, just like with this the is whole interpretations.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> These are interpretations. That's but, been my experience. But even if you look at the Bible, of, and and again, you have to be able to let go. And the, again, the church, churches have, religions have, they have grown, but there's resistance. Or as if it was like, let's just let go of these, really, these elements that aren't really necessary or moving us forward or bringing us together, right? If we look at what's important, what are the morals and ethics that, as human beings, we stand by, right? That we say, yes, these are absolutely important things. Because then we can look at, like, like if we look at the sanctity of, of life, right? And the, the, if you look at like the Old Testament, right, which Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, all based in the Old Testament. There were several crimes that the punishment was like stoning to death. We're just going to kill you with rocks. I mean, that's not a very humane way. To deal with someone, especially when you consider that their crime wasn't even a violent crime or anything. Not to say that even a violent criminal should be stoned to death or be put to death at all. Um, but if 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 we believe in the sanctity of life, which that was, that is in religion, the the, the belief in the sanctity of life. So you can see how, over the centuries, like we no longer stone people to death that's probably a good thing. They've kind of let go of that, right? And so there is, even within religion is like, I know there's sticklers who like, it's, it's like that, it's almost like a, when you look at like political ideology of the, of the progressive liberal versus the conservative, it's like the conservatives wanna hold on. They don't want things to change because they feel safe in what has been. And the progressives have more of that rebellious archetype where they want change and they blame their suffering on what was. You know, so mm-hmm. not that one is right or one is wrong, because it's it's both are needed, you know, a, a forward looking in what's possible is is necessary for us as human beings to evolve, to grow, to move forward, but also looking at traditions. Because traditions and what, what we've had have, are also valuable and beneficial. What we, we, it's, it's definitely valuable for us to be discerning on what's not working for us anymore, like stoning people for you know, having extramarital affairs. Like, I don't know, pretty inhumane. So we've kind of let go of that, right? Um, and I, I think it's for the better. You know, and it's just I feel that if we were this way, this this if we were in, in all these worldviews, if whether you attach yourself to a scientific ideology, whether you attach yourself to a religious ideology, that by letting go of the ideologies themselves, and by looking more to principles, and recognizing that. Each world view has value and benefit. And when we're clear on the principles that we value, then we can be clear on what things we can accept and and just being at least open to. You know, how, how could modern medicine been much more advanced had it been accepting of ancient wisdom. You know, of like, look, man, just because they lived a couple thousand years ago didn't mean they didn't know their shit. Like maybe these plants, these herbs are valuable. And maybe they could be applied in the way that they had been applied. You know, you can't just throw it all out and say, oh, well, they, they were stupid people. And that's part of the mentality around this is that you know I'm a big I'm a big tough guy and I face facts that's a, a lot of people who 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 gravitate towards and who, who attach themselves to that scientific ideology is, is like you know oh no I'm not, not going to believe in mythology and that's just you know superstition and and so and yeah what it,
1: would you say would be the result if people didn't so much attach to ideology, whether it be in any of these domains you're talking about mm-hmm. versus being attached. We kind of see the result of some being attached and some being unattached right. uh, so far. But what, what would it really look like practically in, in life to have really that fluidity? Been like, yeah, this is what I'm subscribing to, but I'm also open to other stuff. I'm open to challenging that. I'm open to adopting new things, throwing some old things out, like being grounded in principle and saying, this principle is aligned with this. So I'm going to take this ideology. Right. Oh, and all of a sudden we're stoning people. I'm kind of not for that. So I'm going to look for another ideology that aligns with my principle. What would that look like practically
0: today? (laughs) Uh, it, Yeah, in today's world, it's not. I'd say we have a lot of work to do to get to a place where we can even have conversations about coming together over principles. Because when I look out at the world, my assessment—this isn't an absolute truth. It's not even an assertion. It's an assessment that I ground on my observations. My assessment is is that there is a large. Portion of the population that are ideologically possessed. And the mention of looking at and being open to a, a concept or an idea that falls outside of your ideology is like is like sacrilegious. I mean, you have
1: Let's let's talk about the
0: possession of them.
1: Are right? are you saying some people are possessed by ideology, or that they're so desperately affixed to their possessed ideology? That no, they that
0: they, they're like possessed by it. Um, for in the and what I attribute that to is uh is really again it's our our. Let's look at some of the fundamental things. That I've observed, and I'm not again. I'm not saying they're truths, but it's something I've observed that's common within many human beings. Is we have, for one, we have a a need or a desire to be comfortable. We have a need or desire to be right. Um, and in those two, in the need and desires to be right. And to be comfortable, we latch on to ideas. Because for one, we also are uncomfortable in not knowing. Because in not knowing, there's uncertainty. And in uncertainty, there is fear. So in not knowing, in an uncertainty, we look to an authority for for knowing for, for for knowledge for understanding right information right
1: direction
0: so if there's a a and right now the way i'd see the i'd say the biggest ideologies that people latch on to are religious and political i'd say those i'd say those two are the biggest that i've i've seen um and so for instance yeah. you have and it's funny. I mean, it's literally a polarization of black or white, and and left. And it's left or right, right, um, right now. Where there's a particular platform which plays into the personality types and archetypes of individuals, and you've se- and they're separated into two different, you know, political parties, and along with these political ideologies, if I, if I adopt it and I feel good about it and I, and I can be right about it. Now that that's that it gives people a sense of comfort and that it's, it's not something I just made up. Right. So, because I, I have a need for there to be an authority. Right. So there's, there's higher higher ups that know more and no better, and I'm grasping on to that The problem I see with that is that what it does is it takes away especially in these in these modern ideologies where it's there's no room for openness or expansion or changing anything about the ideology it's very very rigid. And so there's no thinking. No it's thinking like an all or nothing it is.
1: Too. Yeah. It's not like I love it all except for the stoning part. Right. It's like no, you gotta love the stoning yeah. too.
0: Yeah, well I mean you have a group of people running around calling themselves anti fascists and if you're not a part of their group you're a fascist. <laughs> I mean that's that's how they see the world. It's well, black and white.
1: Linguistically that's what, that's where they stand. It's anti-something. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not anti. Then you're prayer, for. Exactly. Yeah. There's no, I don't know. Like when someone brought that term up to me and I was like, uh, what does the fuss stand for? I think I know what anti means. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you've been under a rock. And I'm like, dude, I just, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the the rare bud in the middle of the storm, just like, right. I don't know what any of these people are fighting about. Right, right. <laughs> so I better go Google something real quick.
0: Yeah. yeah, And that, and I'd say, and that polarization is, I mean, it's, it's present in, in all ideologies oh, wow. right now where it's like, like I've even, uh, it's funny, I saw it the other day, an anti-racist. Like now there's this concept of anti-racist, and if you're not these things and you don't hold these ideas, then you're a racist. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, like that's interesting. It's it's not it's not thinking. What it is is like here's an ideology. You either buy in or we're, you're labeled this. You're labeled the, the opposite of what this ideology uh, uh uh purports to be, right? So if we call ourselves the anti fascist and we call ourselves the anti racist well then anyone outside of that is racist and fascist. Right? And uh And, and it's, it's more than just these
1: political domains. Oh it I is mean, this absolutely. Is, this is saturated, this mm-hmm. is I'm I'm noticing more and more, it's not just, you know, all of these, like, buzzwords and keywords and phrases and antis and pros that we're seeing out, but this is, like, in dealing with people's own experience, they're even, I'm really, I'm seeing more and more polarization. Right. In one's experience and how they identify and how they define their experience and how they live throughout their lives it's taking a position on absolutely everything Mm -hmm. and I'm not clear as to why or where that's coming from but I've been noticing it more and more and more and it almost feels like 2020 we've gone parabolic with it right? where there is no middle ground anymore and I'm even feeling alienated standing in the middle right <laughs> i'm having a hard time connecting with people when they're like oh so what do you think about you know the say covid vaccine and i'm like i don't know anything about it like well are you pro or anti-vaxxer and i'm like uh i think some vaccines could be fine and some maybe not so fine <laughs> <laughs> they're like Well, what, I mean, okay, you're kind of pro and anti. I don't know what to do with you. And they almost like dismiss anything that I have to say and and let go. Right. And that's been more and more and more of the things I've seen on media, Mm -hmm. on TV, uh, in in conversations. Uh, Even, even I just met somebody like last weekend, hanging out, having a great conversation. And, it came down to like, oh well, where do you stand? <laughs> I was like, well, what do you mean on the well, floor? Are, are you <laughs> are you pro? Or are you anti? Or are you for? Or are you against? And I had I had no I had no answer. And I think that's the point in which you're you're referring to is is the affixing the attachment. The need to cling to whatever polarity, because the middle is unsure. The middle is unsafe. The middle is open for new stuff,
0: <laughs> well, the new ideas, new beliefs. And again, it's it's speaking right into what we were just talking about, which is it's out. Oh, you know what?
1: There's no principles. A, an easy private, word which for really it really is
0: the biggest thing. It's tribalism. It's tribalism. And what yeah, and, and 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 uh, the and the need to belong, the need to be right, the need for the tribe, right? And so that's why you've got this this polarized division, is because because of all the all that's going on, right? And I think a an epidemic or a pandemic is definitely something to to. Uh, get something like this ignited not that this not that it began with this pandemic it is something that's definitely you've been seeing for years decades
1: this is the and, pandemic and this polarization is symptom of yes yeah,
0: yeah and uh but it's definitely powder cake. you know it's 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 kind of accelerated this this division this this uh divisiveness see, I, I don't I don't know that they're separate. What do you mean? What's separate?
1: The the whole experience of 2020 and the pandemic and all the, the stuff that has happened mm-hmm. and this accelerated polarization of ideologies.
0: Like right. Literally. Right, right, right. I see what you're saying. Uh,
1: like even at the beginning with, with the whole conversation about masks and stuff, But it was like, oh, there are countries that have been wearing masks, and they've had some good benefits, and uh, we're going to do it too. And we had medical professionals. We had CDC people. We had politics all the way to the top level being like, they're not going to protect you. They're not going to protect your neighbor. Like, no big deal. Right. And no, it'll probably end up having you touching your face more and potentially infecting yourself at a higher likelihood. Right. And then – month two three later they're like okay we're going to issue mandates and everybody needs to wear a mask (laughs) (laughs) and it's like this polarity is not working we need to go the other side no one ever stopped and said if it makes you feel better wear one right (laughs) it's choice it's in the middle and so it's almost it's regardless of what the science says Mm -hmm. because i haven't seen a single person in, in politics, I'll say, because I, I've i dove into the case studies, the, the double-blind studies, the science and, and stuff behind all of it. But I, that's beside the point. Because the point is that nobody out there is really even interested in that conversation. Right. To bring up even talking about masks and i kind of feel hesitant to do it on this call but even bringing that up around anybody they automatically go oh you're one of those <laughs> like if you don't wear a mask you're all of a sudden on the right trump lover racist <laughs> you know only Fascist. care about yourself
0: <laughs> racist racist inconsiderate Oh no! And I'm even wearing a Trump red shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's although
1: yeah. my shirt says "Love Heals," so it's a it
0: little might, bit of the. It, dude, it might as well it might as well say "Make America Great Again." Um, so, <laughs> but that's and, and you're exactly right, and and the polarization is in every aspect, or it's really it's with every ideology. It's like the feeling of uncertainty has become great. The the fear, there's a fear that tribalism isn't helped by fear. You you gravitate more and you lean in more. You double down on your ideology and, and your attachment to one. Because because there's, even, th- there's fear, there's uncertainty, yeah, there's fear, there's uncertainty, so it's like, like, bam, like even if you weren't ideological before, you know it's like now you want to attach yourself to something because you want to be part of a group because, and, and you're going to attach yourself to a group that already aligns with your, your existing worldview. You know, so you already have presuppositions about the world. And so that's why you have, you know, these this tribalism occurring where it's, you know, groups are huddling in, and they're doubling down on their ideologies, and they're in, and you're having it in every corner, you know, and and, it, and it's like there is no middle way here, and there is no middle ground. It's because the, the tribes are 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 because of the fear, the uncertainty, and but the, the, here's the thing that causes more fear and uncertainty. Like, it, it's, it, it's, it's, right. this, uh, it's this snowball. You know, it's, it's this snowball effect now that w- without, if we don't come to a place of thinking, critically thinking for ourselves and letting go of these ideologies we latch on to, this snowball could, you know, do some damage. Um because that's that's where we're heading because if you can't think critically and really bring ideas together and have people come together because i mean that's what you, what you see is people attacking each other not only on twitter you know and verbally but physically people are attacking each other people. physically yeah and
1: because of an idea they have, right? Because of a yeah. group they identify mm-hmm. with, because exactly of how they associate. Yeah. Like I've been saying, it's it's not a war between people right now. It's not like, you know, I'm not even going to get racial or anything like that. It's not about any specific groups of people. It's about what ideas you subscribe to, mm-hmm. and if my idea is in conflict with your idea, well then. We're in college. well then F you man.
0: <laughs> that's that really blows my mind. Yeah, that's and that's the attitude people have taken. Whereas it's funny, you know, I grew up in the eighties. Uh and not and I remember there was you know, there were deaf there, there were still political parties and everything back then, but there was compared to now, like there was and it may, and again maybe where I grew up. I grew up in you know Huntington Beach, which is an affluent part of Orange County in Southern California. So it's not the inner city, but what I saw was a lot more moderation. Like there was no hardcore right wing, hardcore left wing. Like that it just wasn't part of the, it wasn't a part of the narrative, you know and. And even religion, like people ex- were more accepting of other people's religion, and it didn't really matter, you know. And it's it, as I've grown and as I've gotten older, and I've watched this go from like <clears throat> people more in the middle, you know, like like yeah, they may have their po- political ideology that that takes them one way, they may have. Their religious beliefs that have them this way, but but there it wasn't a polarization that created hatred and tribalism. And I've seen that has been this steady kind of move. I mean, I I remember like I'd I'd say when I was most surprised was like when George W. the younger uh was president. Junior. Yeah. Well he's not technically not a junior, yes. George W. was president, and I watched a group of support our troops and uh, anti-war. Right, this is during the end the war. Yeah, end the war war and support Support our troops. troops. Now, here's the thing: those messages aren't nest; they're not against each other. You can be a for the ending of a war or against a war and for supporting our troops. Right. And which realistically, if you brought all the troops home and into the war,
1: they'd all be safe.
0: Right. And, and then think about it. What's at the foundation of wanting either one of these is like, you want your, you want people to live. You want them to be safe. You don't want there to be fighting. Right. And I watched these two groups go to war with each other. like, hitting each other with their signs and i'm just like whoa and i'm like and that hit me as profound in that moment because i'm like <laughs> wait a minute like you're anti-war and you're attacking people right now you're for supporting the troops and you're attack like they're saying end the war that will support the troops <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> like i didn't get like it just blew my mind that these two groups were going at it with each other and just going to war because of really it had to do with political ideology. It had nothing to do with, and, and and now that, and that compared to today is minor. It's minor, you know, but it was, that doesn't even make the news. Right. And, but it was that it was, if you were left on the left, if you were a Democrat, well, then you were against the war. If you were on the right and you were a Republican or a conservative, well, then you were for supporting the troops. You weren't necessarily for war, but you were for supporting the troops. It, it's 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 like what we've seen with the, like what you were just talking about with the masks. Like masks became a political thing. Like if you wear one, you're, you're a Democrat. If you don't wear one, you're a Republican. How is that? God, <laughs> like, how is that a political decision? Or you're
1: anti-science or something,
0: right? And that, which yeah. is, which is funny. Coming, yeah, I don't, that, like, I said, that's a conversation. For We're a whole not going to go time. down the rabbit hole. Yeah, because the <laughs> getting politics into the science conversation is a whole other. This isn't politics and science. This is science and religion. <laughs> so we'll stick with religion for now, and we'll talk. We'll bring which politics. Really, like. It's, People it's, aren't
1: getting pissed off at each other for looking a certain way or being a certain way or the, it's what group they identify with. Right. What ideology is behind everything that they do in their life. And it's, it's gotta come from some need to, to polarize, to attach to an ideology or a complete unconscious decision of which one they're they're subscribing to. Like I don't I don't consider myself a racist. Mm-hmm. Like I've got such mixed blood in me, I it's be very hard to find a group of people that I cannot associate with, right? <laughs> and let alone hate them. Right. So, when I think about like if if I was completely just I guess new to the situation and somebody said, Hey, are you racist? And I was like, no, they're like, ah, you're with us. I like, oh, okay, cool. And I would walk over there and I said, <laughs> great. So, so no, none of us are racist. We're all for like people and human rights and fairness and, and love and dove and all this. Like, oh, It's great over here. And then somebody comes up and, and challenges that. I hear their opinion. i listen to it. and so I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm over here. Then I should talk to these guys about And Nope. All of a sudden I'm on the other side. It's like, If one of the principles is something that you agree with, you're all in or all out. Right. And I don't know how and when that trend started versus I kind of like what these people say. I kind of like what these people say. I'm going to take that and kind of live my life with it.
0: Right. And that's what I would say. what, What I feel like my whole, the reason I wanted to use this subject speak into this subject is for that very reason is because there is no questioning you may have bought into an ideology that at its core or at your core is, a, is violating something that you hold as a principle right but you you refuse to question it because you're again that need to belong that need to be right right that 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 tribalism that is manifesting right now it's 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 secure it's safe and that that need to be safe and secure is is allowing you to go about your life without questioning or thinking critically about anything and more than anything else, I want to—I wanted to pull apart these worldviews because that's a practice of critical thinking. Like I could have come in and attached myself to an ideology and made this into a versus conversation and taken a position mm-hmm. on it. But critical thinking is—you're most effective as a critical thinker when you can let go of any presuppositions in any positions you hold or at and, least suspend for a moment exactly yeah because you can you could believe in God and be critical of religion you, know, you could believe in in uh, Newton's law of gravity and and be critical of physics it's mm-hmm. challenging yeah it's uh, this I must it, it, I must it, be an unquestioning right, but that's dogma that's why I brought that into the conversation at the beginning. That's why, that's why I put my fancy slideshow together was because dogma is what, a, what, is what that is, is this, is this unquestioning of a doctrine and not being open to anything outside your ideology,
1: right? It reminds me of growing up and taking everything my parents said as a fact,
0: oh. never
1: challenging what they said, <laughs> not until I turned eighteen. And I was like, "My parents are liars." <laughs> <laughs> then I don't believe anything that they believe. You know, it was that type of polarization. And right. it may be that that's why, like, the majority of all of this conflict is in
0: the younger generations. I don't right. know. Well, here's a th- here's an interesting thing, and and again, it's something I observed when I was younger. And and it speaks I think it happens for most people before 18. Maybe you're a late bloomer. But at about the age of uh you know, I would say between the ages. For me it happened early. Like I I I was questioning things at like 10, 11. and I'm like, no nah,
1: ever since Sam That ain't Claus. right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so and so and so I've always been skeptical, you know, of of other people's uh, assertions. But there was a, what I've noticed is that at about your teenage years, you, and I noticed this in my peers going through school, there's a complete rejection for many, not all, for many of religion. And authority and things like that, and I feel it's a very beneficial step for people to take for young people to take because you can reject all the mythology all the and when I say mythology i 'm not talking about like a false story I mean the imagery right like in its truest sense of the word the imagery the 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 Doctrines of religion of of the images of the world and the images of God and, and things like that because if, when you reject a a particular religion, you can actually open yourself up to an I, ideas and ways of looking at spirituality that are more that are more encompassing that are that are uh, that feel. More profound for you than buying into an imagery, and the funny thing is, then you could go back into the religion, you yeah. would, ha- and you would have a completely different approach to the religion because you're like, okay, yes, I don't see God as Grandpa in the sky sitting in a chair, and but but you know, because I was able to reject that imagery, I was able to come to a deeper sense of the metaphysical and the. Uh, than I would have had I not rejected it and just bought in. So there there is value for people to um there is value for people to reject their ideas, that the ideologies, the, the, the world views and completely challenge them because there's a there's a growth. Growth can happen. I'm not guaranteeing because what was so surprising to me was that, you know, again, looking at my peers going through, like, let's say high school, there was very little. I mean, yeah, there were people who were religious and still went to church and things like that. But when it was, when I was like 30 and looking back at all these people I went to school with who not one of them were religious, and now they're all religious. I'm like, huh, that's an interesting development. And, and And I got it, it was, and I, and I, the way I see this is well that's a that's such a beneficial thing for us as youth because I did it I rejected all religion I was just like y'all are a bunch of storytellers need to feel good about something and however because I had rejected all imagery of 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 the metaphysical and on all 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 those narratives I came to a very deep spiritual understanding and an openness to all religions when i was around 1920 and i just went in and started looking at all of them and because i didn't because i had rejected you know catholicism because that's supposedly what i was had no choice in the matter but i was baptized and you know i didn't i didn't jump through all the hoops so you know, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hell as far as they're concerned, because I, you know, didn't get confirmation and and all that nonsense. But uh, but I so I, I I rejected that religion and its ritual. However, it brought me back in, in having the spiritual experiences that I had. And in looking at all religions, I was able to embody the principles of all these religions and and ways of looking and thinking about the world and humans and human relationships and communities that I had this tremendous uh, admiration and value for Christianity. You know, I'm like, I it's like, I get it now. You know, it's not about the imagery. Because y'all get so attached to it, people push it away. You know you get so attached to the dogmatic elements of it that anyone who thinks outside the outside that box is going to reject it, which is not necessarily a bad thing because if in rejecting it you're still open to spirit or spirituality or metaphysical, something beyond what science can measure right. If you're open to that, well, then you may have a profound spiritual experience, which will turn you around and have you appreciate. It's because I, I'm not, I don't belong to a particular religion, but I have a tremendous amount of respect and value for religions, many of them. You no, know, I can I look actually
1: at, have a lot of people that. Think I'm deeply religious because from whatever religion there they prescribe to, and that's because I've adopted the principles. Right, Right. (laughs) I've read through some of the stuff, I've investigated. I'm like, yeah, it's actually like these guys had it right. I'm gonna love my neighbor. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. go through life doing unto others as I want to be treated and stuff. I'm like, those things are immensely valuable. Right. And I've intentionally chosen them. Um, but in, in listening to you talk, I do have a question because if if we if we look at humanity collectively, mm-hmm. at least in the United States, like a teenager, it almost feels like what we're going through with with the attachment to ideology and the increased um, polarization that's been going on for decades. This is not just like 2020 new. Um, Is that us in a process of shaking off our attachments and ideologies to religion since 60s, 70s, and you know, and you, you can go back and then shifting our ideology to science, to politics, to whatever, and really like an addict, not dropping the attachment,
0: but just shifting them to a different place. Right, and again, it's it's that feeling of safety and security. That's you've just ref, you've focused on having something else make you feel safe and secure. So it's
1: like when I quit smoking cigarettes, I found out I started, I took up coffee, caffeine, Right, (laughs) and I stopped that and I realized I was drinking a beer every day all of a sudden. And I'm like, whoa, (laughs) where's this all coming from? Right, right. Cut that out. And all of a sudden I'm like exercising more than I usually would. And it's like my body almost needed or had created a need for putting that addiction somewhere. Right into something, attaching to something, and I I do notice it with needing an explanation, needing Mm -hmm. a meaning, needing an ideology, needing to understand and make sense of the world. Right. Ooh, we got
0: some comments. (laughs) We got a heckler, Trisha,
1: who's the (laughs) anti-master.
0: Okay, so, yeah, so and I felt like this was the reason I brought this up, this uh, chat screen, was because I was like, okay, yes, this is still relevant to what you were just saying. Um, it's actually hard for me to read it on the screen. So, if I'm different from you, then I matter. I don't know why, but this seems to make sense. Prefixes anti and pro give value to the self, I think. Separation makes me unique and important. Not true, but people true. <laughs> in general don't hold themselves as important within themselves. Maybe, so maybe. And and yes, absolutely. Because hmm. you. So you were you were asking like why they would attach to one group or another, and this has to do mostly. This has to do with uh, personality, and you know we. We all have what I'll call our our, uh, our archetypical strengths, you know, aspects of our mm. personality that would have us gravitate towards one ideology or another. Now, it doesn't mean that because of that personality, you c- would completely hold that ideology. And in most cases, it, it's never true. I I, I would venture right. to say that there isn't an ideology out there that, That a human being could just go, yes, I accept all of that. I believe in all of that. (laughs) I support all of that. Um, Except for the cult leader. Yeah. (laughs) But it takes work to get you there. (laughs) (laughs) It takes work to get you there. So, uh, yes, the labels, right? This is pigeonholing the labels. And you but
1: more than that the need to feel unique and important which is and the, and, which is funny
0: because it's it's the opposite it's uh like a, that's what's happening you're seeing with uh oh look at that um <laughs> <laughs> with this uh polarization, what you're seeing is a rejection of the individual of individualism right and because there's all this this group think in this group identity kind of uh, thinking that's happening where it's like, like, like this whole, the, the, the black lives matter and the, and uh, the, the identity politics around, you know, trans and, and all this other stuff is it's, 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 it's not addressing the world as individuals. It's it's creating this separation into groups, and that everything is based exactly. on this group. And then, again, this goes There's back actually to the
1: arguments against individualism. It is. It absolutely is. Yeah. No, there are yeah. direct claims that to treat people as individuals is not a good thing. Yeah, crazy to me. Which. There are some, some lines of thought where if you keep putting people in groups and then subgroups and all the intersectionalities and you slice and dice it, you end up back at individualism. Right. right. <laughs> it's the opposite side of the, of the same coin. Yeah, because there's, an, because there's an infinite way of interpreting
0: things. So you can... In- and an <laughs>
1: infinite way to divide people
0: exactly. up. Exactly, so it, at some level I and to me this comes back to a, the principles of it, and I hold you know dearly oh the individual individual freedom as as a paramount to to values for a functional society. Now if you don't agree with that then there's there's odds that like you're going to have to have different kinds of societies, right? And that's where you have culture. And so you can't, you have to be willing, if we're, again, if we're talking about what's the most functional, most workable worldview here, you have to be willing to question your own culture. And, your traditions and beliefs, and new ones. Be willing to question all of these things. And if at the core of our questioning is a commonly held set of principles, well then we can dissect these worldviews and go, look, this is not workable this is not functional and i can question this even though let's say and again this is happening so much in the political world that it's an easy target but you know someone who is you know uh left-leaning we'll say is uh is expected to have the some beliefs now the funny thing is Years ago when i when I still had political beliefs i i would have I would have put myself as a left leaning libertarian st- strong proponent of free market and a republic form of government, um, not the political party republican but a republic um, I do not believe in mob rule, and that's what I believe the benefit of a republic is. And because the masses, the mob can be, can basically. Uh, I, I love the example of democracy and the problem with mob rule is when, you know, if uh, you, me, and Bill Gates are, you know, standing around and you and I vote to take all Bill Gates' money, <laughs> well, that's democracy. That's democracy in action. Right? And we get all Bill Gates' money. However, uh, when there's a co- there's a core set of principles that you can lean on, right? That you can that that you can agree on. That we can say, like, look, we do hold life as 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 sacred. Um, we do believe that. Um, the health and well-being people when, within our community is important. We do believe that each individual should have the right, you know, to their labor, to their person to not be violated in their in their individualism, right? If we could just come together, like, you know, come up, because it doesn't even, I don't even think it would be a very complex list of principles. But if we held you know. and agreed upon these principles, we could easily start to dissect and pull apart many of these ideologies and go, look, this, this doesn't work. You know, this isn't. It's funny enough, functional.
1: that's what religion does. Here's our 10 principles. Right. Here's our seven principles. Right. Here's our whatever number. Right. And then we all align underneath that. Right. And I think really like we're we're adopting different aspects from psychology, from religion, from science, and we're collapsing the distinction of where they're coming from. And if we then choose to decide, let's add some principles to <clears throat> to any one of our movements or any one of our ideologies and see if it holds up against the principles that we really want to stand for. Right, Then we can sort of fine-tune and increase effectiveness around anything that we're wanting to do. Mm-hmm. Like, my dad's mostly black. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had a lot of people talking to me about the, the Black Lives Matter movement and i'm like well how come it's not like all lives or life or quality of life or you know individual freedom like why why specifically black lives and that conversation goes down and i've even gotten attacked saying not not physically but verbally uh labeled as as like you can't be colorblind you can't be All lives can't matter until Black Lives. There's all kinds of rhetoric um, phrases. It's yeah, it's rhetoric that that come out, and and at the end of it, it's it's like, okay, where's the principle? What are we standing for? Mm -hmm. And there, there's just there's just more and more Mm boogeymen. There's more and more things to fight in that in that form of movement. Right, but there I, I haven't yet seen, and it's it's probably because my lack of interest to really dive too deep into it. Mm-hmm. Because the more I do, the more I get called out for for being ignorant or for not supportive or sympathetic to the cause. <laughs> and I'm like, if anybody, and and mind you, this is not coming from black people, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but the the more that anyway, so all of it ends up for me and i want to get behind something that i can truly believe in. and usually that's principle based
0: mm-hmm.
1: or that would be something like a, a result that i want to see in the world right like I, I want to see you know you know whatever the the result may be and I, I could say talk about politically or scientifically like say i just really like the way this person talks about like my girlfriend was asking me if I was gonna vote. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm really trying to find a candidate, uh, presidential election-wise, that I would vote for, that I would really like get behind, that has some mission, that has stands on principles and all of this stuff, and I've yet to find one. <laughs> and so I'm looking, I'm trying to find one, and I was like, Andrew Yang kind of was the closest because all he ever preached about was, hey guys automation is going to cut off 95% of our jobs in the next few decades. We need to act now. He's right. like, I have a problem. I have a solution. <laughs> I didn't necessarily agree with his solution, <laughs> right, right. but the fact that the problem existed. Right. And at a high potentiality of something, I was like, I could get behind working towards a problem. Like that. Mm. But I haven't seen much of that out there. So like if, if really, sorry, around like political movements. And so the thing that I would really love and that would get me behind stuff like Black Lives Matter, that whole movement, would be like life matters. So we're not just going after making Black lives work, but that's just a human life issue. There's all kinds of injustices on every other race and and color of person out there. We have we don't like we'd have to have the conversation about uh, the death penalty for for criminals to really see if we're behind life mattering in the first place.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: and then I'm like, I could get behind this because I truly do believe that life matters. Right. Whatever color it is, whatever shape it is, that's a belief that I hold deeply and a principle that that I use to guide my life by.
0: Well Jinji, even
1: in not, you'd, not just politics. You'd, but,
0: you'd be a but. terrible person for modern day politics because you don't fit into any political category. You can't be pro- I don't have a box. You can't be pro-life and pro-progressivism. Those are those are opposed. If you're if you're a liberal, if you're a progressive, well then you must be pro-choice. Right? And Maybe
1: so I don't know. I don't know enough about any of that stuff to really know whether I'd fit or not.
0: No, it's it, All I here, know I'd is say that that's the problem. If I though.
1: see a principle, I can dive into it and fully support it and stand on it and preach on it. Right. But until I see the underlying principles, it's just theory. It's just concept. It's just complaining at certain points. Right.
0: Well, the problem is I mean, politics isn't run on principles. Politics is run on policies. Those aren't the same thing. Um, Policies and principles vary. Now, you could say that in general conservatives have certain values and in general liberals have certain values, but it's not universal, and I think, at, 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 before anything, as a society, we have to agree on certain principles. Because if if we let if we leave politics up to ch- to determine what the values are, well, then you're just in for an endless war. Because politics is already divided based on personality, and. You're not going to just and that's what I was with all people. of
1: that. You're not going to ch- what I was seeing with all of the BLM stuff because I, I'm like, let's all get behind life matters. Because as I see it now, you've got a group running around with signs being like Black Lives Matter, and all of a sudden you see a group coming out of nowhere being like White Lives Matter too. All lives matter as well, guys, and all these different lives, and then fetus lives matter, and it's just it's just. Creating more and more conflict, right? But it should. But shouldn't. if we're all that's like thing. life matters, yeah, it shouldn't. It's like <laughs> then all of these lives do matter. Exactly. And I'm not saying by saying black lives matter that white lives don't matter or that all lives don't matter. Right. Like, but but you kind of are. Right. At least that's the way it's being interpreted by other groups. Right. And but that's, like, just, well, but know, that's just
0: it. Like See, again, matters. you're 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 venturing off, Gingy. You're venturing off into yeah. the world of politics and. Don't look for rhyme or reason in the world of politics because it is all about a oh, set agenda, <laughs> policies, things like that. So I'm it's, looking
1: for the underlying principles,
0: right? And like, I, show me the guiding forces here, right? And 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 I feel that it once once we're clear as human beings, like what we value, what our principles are, then we can break free of the ideologies, you know you can still vote for whoever you're going to vote for, but to buy in hook, line and sinker to these poisonous ideologies and they're all poisonous. I'm not saying, you know, right, bad, left, good, or left, bad, right, good, or anything like that. All ideologies at their core are poisonous because they're, they're not open. They're set. And so you're not, open to ideas you you've you it's tribalism it's you've you've carved out a little space of of what to think and you don't question any of it and that's dangerous that's poisonous that is i think we're moving this is this is a perfect time to move into summation i'm gonna I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my, <laughs> here's my conclusions based on this conversation. So, in conclusion, religion isn't wrong or bad. Science isn't wrong or bad. Psychology isn't wrong or bad. And all ideologies may have something of value to contribute. And if we are open and question, and think, and set ourselves a set of ethics, morals, values, that as a community we all can stand behind, well then we can look at all these, really, these contributions to humanity, because there is tremendous value in all of them, and in we can construct a way of looking at the world, a worldview that allows for there to be the material science, for there to be psychology, for there to be religion in a way that conforms to those values that we hold. It We can't allow for for thoughts, for ideas, ideologies that are destructive, either to the individual, to the family, to the community, to the nation state, or to the world, or to the planet itself. We need to take all these things into consideration and only when we... Because if you attach into one ideology, absolutely it's going to become destructive. Absolutely. Because you're not, you, you, you're not open to different ways of looking at things. And there is no ideology that takes it all in because, for one, ideologies are always going to attract certain types of personalities. And so it's, it, they become, each ideology becomes an echo chamber for those personality types and so there's always going to be division in the in in, in ideological schools so the best i i've the best way i feel for us to approach the world is to free ourselves of our ideologies let go of the labels you have for yourself right the, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican. Now, again, I'm not saying don't vote and I'm not saying vote how you feel you should vote, but it's the first step in freeing yourself of ideology is freeing yourself of those labels that you that you try to pigeonhole yourself with, right? And even like labeling yourself as, well, I'm, uh, I'm this race and I'm from this country and I'm from, you know, like, again, go ahead, be proud of where you're from. Whatever, but as soon as you start identifying as these labels and attaching to these labels well then you you become it becomes harder and harder to let go of the ideologies that that go with those labels, so freeing ourselves of ideology, freeing ourselves of of, of uh of these labels these these identities that we that we associate ourselves with, will free us to, to worldviews that can contribute to our own, that we can build a better world for ourselves as individuals, a better world for our families, and a better world for the community at large. That's my piece on it, which you got, Gingy.
1: Um, my big takeaway I don't really see any issue with the labels. <clears throat> I don't see any issue with the movements, politics. Um, what, I, what I'm noticing most out of this entire conversation is that in attaching to a label specifically and only, um, not, not just label, but an ideology, specific idea even by attaching to anything really and expecting permanence or righteousness or truth or something um it almost creates an impossibility so i'm noticing that if we align to principles instead of labels and ideas and whatever else those principles can help navigate and guide and create intentionality within ideologies so that the principle of life can account for and support all types of life to have the, the principle of um, I even, I even want to say quality of life, you know, or, or freedom or, Um, empowerment, if we get behind concepts like this, then we can check them, they're not even concepts, behind principles like this, things that can help guide through ideology so we can say, well, I like the morals of religion, and I like the scientific method, and I like challenging my belief systems and investigating my own consciousness through psychology you can't get all of the human experience from any one method or any one ideology or even really like a specific collective of ideologies, because there's always more stuff coming out. There's always new things. Like one of the comments was like before 2020, there was no such word as (laughs) anti-masker. I'm like, new stuff is going to be coming out over and over and over. And without some foundation I'm calling principles to help guide through that, we will polarize. We will fight against each other. We will defend our positions to the death because we don't know anything. Else. We don't know, like someone coming up and saying, Hey, Gingy, here's a new ideology. Maybe being like, well, that's in conflict with mine, and I run back to what, where I'm comfortable. Right. Like, I will sit there and defend my home and my identity and whatever else that's there to the death. Because I don't know anything different outside of that ideology. Now, if I dissect and I can say, well, actually, this new thing that they've got, I like parts of it. It actually confirms some of the stuff I have over here. Like if all the religions put together all their principles in one bucket, there wouldn't be hardly any conflict if any at all. it
0: would actually be a, it'd actually be a pretty small bucket because because a lot of them yep. hold the same principles.
1: You know there was very and if the, if if that bucket got combined with the scientific principles right. <laughs> it'd be like, okay, well, actually, we're all pretty much on the same page here. What we're fighting about are the abstractions, and to me, that's pointless. We're all on the same page fundamentally. And that to me is the big takeaway from this entire conversation.
0: Yes, very well said. And, and I will reiterate the point you made um, that it's an extremely important part of that would be letting go of the need to be right, letting go of the need to belong and feel safe and to stand Be willing to stand as an individual. I think that's, I guess that it's funny because I didn't really put it together till just now that destroying, (laughs) how, how to destroy your planet in five easy steps. Well, I'd say one of them is, one of the necessary steps would be is destroying the individual. Because if the individual ceases to think and act from their own thought, it becomes extremely destructive or it can become extremely destructive. I was going to
1: say maybe, I don't think that's an absolute there. I think there are ways for people to identify collectively and be incredibly powerful. Yeah, but but that, what
0: that requires is conversation and openness and change and things like that it can't it doesn't really work yeah and and not like and a lack of righteousness like you can't be attached to being right about something you can't be attached to you know feeling safe and secure or belonging to something because then you're not gonna question you know, So the, the necessity to question, to have conversation, to debate is absolutely essential. But that only really happens if there's individuals. You, know, you have to have an individual way of looking at things, an individual way of thinking about things in order for there to be conversation and debate and growth. So I just wanted to reiterate that as well. uh, let me uh, see uh, Sebastian's comment I think this was my favorite episode (laughs) out of the two so far it seems like you're just digging deeper as you go well thank you out of the two that we've done uh, Sebastian suggests that this is our best one yet well let's hope we can keep that trend going all righty. Well, thank you for joining us Phenos on, awesome. a, on Phenomenosophy. Say that 10 times Sa-sa-fa-si. fast. Phenon- phemomin- phenomenosophy. <laughs> phenomenosophy. Phenomenosophy. Phenomenoma. Phenom- Phenomen- phenomenosophy. <laughs> All righty, y'all. Enjoy. A new intro. May the force be with you.